Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 23 of the 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today, we're hearing from writers Sari Boren and Andrea Meyer. Andrea Meyer is still trying to get into the meeting, so that's why you don't see her yet, but I'm hoping that she will join us soon. Um, they are talking about how playwriting and screenwriting can help your prose and vice versa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Sari. Sari is a playwright, essayist, and museum exhibit developer. She premiered her solo play exhibiting in 2019 and her short play to rest at the Somerville Theater Festival. She was a member of Company One Theater's Play Lab unit and one of seven playwrights in Flat Earth Theater's collaborative virtual play, Seven Rooms, The Mask of the Red Death, which sounds really exciting. Her essays, He's a Rope, and The Slurry Wall were recognized as notable essays in the Best American Essays 2019 and 2021. Her writing has been supported with grants from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, St. Boltoff Club Foundation, and the Vermont Studio Center. Um, okay, Sarah, we're going to get going with you, and hopefully Andrea will join us. Sari, okay. um, so you used to be a essay writer, and now you've turned to playwriting, which is, I think, very, Siri is a very um, uh, extroverted person, so I think this is actually a great move for her. Sari is also in my writing group. Um, tell us about what playwriting you think can help teach someone who's who's writing in fiction or nonfiction. Yeah, so... Um... I would say one of the key things, which actually was part of my essay writing, but got honed more, is really um, the focus on the economy of everything you're doing, that every single line, every single moment counts. There's there's no room or space for just anything that's not working for the shortest period of time when you have people sitting in live theater. Um I'm sure you've all had that experience in if in a play, maybe where things slow down. And, and I'm paraphrasing what someone else said. If you're reading a book and you don't like it, you can always close the book. If you're in a play that's not working, you're stuck. So we were talking about um, the pitch of dialogue, the importance of dialogue and what you can learn from playwriting to carry into your prose. Yeah. So, the you know, what I'm going to tell you, you probably know already for prose writing. It's just to me, I think it's much more urgent with playwriting, which is that all the dialogue must be necessary. You know, obviously there's no, you don't have um, an omniscient narrator. You don't get to get inside the thoughts of a character unless they're doing a monologue and monologues are, you should stay away from them unless very necessary. And so the dialogue must be necessary. Um, and dialogue is action. It's always about um, what, does the character need to say to get what they want right now from moment to moment to moment? It's literally going from moment to moment. And one of the things with dialogue, which I had mentioned to Michelle when we were chatting earlier, is this idea of status. And I find this is really helpful if you're stuck in a scene with dialogue is every character really at every moment, consciously or unconsciously, is either trying to raise their own status lower their own status, raise another person's status, or lower another person's status. And so there's this constant subtle or overt power shift happening at all times. And that is so important because I think a lot of writers don't even don't even think about that, that you are working with status and power dynamics. Mm -hmm. 
um, which I think is what you, you kind of mean when you, you're talking about status, um, yes. that everyone entering that scene wants something. And this doesn't mean that they're punching each other. Um, it doesn't mean that they're screaming at each other, but it does mean that if two friends meet for coffee, one person might want to talk about the bad night that they had with their boyfriend that night, the night before. And one person desperately doesn't want to talk about the other person's boyfriend because they're sick of talking about the boyfriend. Right. And they want to talk about, I don't know, the newest uh, book that they're reading by, you know, whatever. So, so that, I mean, who is going to, who's going to be dominating the conversation? Who's going to give in? Who's going to not? So even just simple intentions. And you might think, well, those like talking about your boyfriend or not doesn't sound like really important intentions for a scene, but it can actually, if there's a lot of stakes behind it, if there's, if it's carried through, through the whole thing. So I think that can work really well. Um, but keeping yeah, people on point. Think about what's underneath that too. I love, I love this example you gave because maybe really what's happening is the person wants to talk about her boyfriend. Also their want is that they really just want to be listened to because maybe their boyfriend doesn't. And so you know, and the other person, you know, like, so you can get these layers of sort of want and that's sort of where, so if the first person is finally says, why, you know, the other person says, I'm just sick of hearing about your boyfriend. The first person might be thinking, it's not about my boyfriend. That's what they're thinking. It's that you just never, you don't listen to me, you know? So then you have all of these things happening underneath. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so thinking about, I mean, just the importance of dialogue, the intensity of dialogue, um, and um, and keeping it short, right? Because I, I think novelists sometimes think that they can just go on and on and they don't have to be particular about their dialogue. But but I don't know. You know, I do still think that every, every word counts. Um, and maybe that's why my novels are shorter. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's really important. Um, because it's so because playwriting is so dialogue focused mm -hmm. you miss being able to write in that narrative I mean are there some things that you've seen now about narrative that you're like oh I wish I could use it this way or that you see in terms of the importance of narrative I don't miss it because the thing is as an essayist um, and, and as an essayist, I'm also somebody who writes very tightly. So, so that's why I think dialogue worked for me. I used to joke with a friend of mine who's a novelist that I didn't think I was a fiction writer because I hate writing description. I hate sort of writing all the stuff around it. And I was like, oh, that's why I like playwriting because it's all, it's all dialogue. And I don't miss the narrative because to me, it's a puzzle of how, how do you get information across in a way that's natural? How do you not have exposition how do you make because how do you tell things about the past like nothing will kill a scene faster than have characters talking for five minutes about something that had ten, happened 10 years ago so it becomes more of a challenge and a puzzle to think about how to get those elements we would call narrative into real conversations with people um and I really enjoy that but you're right every word counts yeah yeah so we have one question in the chat. It's very hard to also show interiority though, only through dialogue and action. So I think for certain writers and are, are used to certain ways of expressing themselves, the idea of only using dialogue is very frightening. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, were you, was it natural for you to just use dialogue or did you really have to rein in? Did you have to figure that out? Um, how to make the transition? Well, I, you know, I think with anything you get better as you go along. So, you know, and I would say I'm still very much an emerging playwright. I loved writing, writing dialogue from the outset. And certainly what I've learned when I do revisions is I start cutting out even more. You think the character has to explain something, but if you if you set up the dialogue properly, you realize you can actually take that. The first pass is you're over explaining everything. Your characters are over explaining right. everything. And then you just sort of pull back. Now there's all these other layers, but you have actors who are going to bring something to it. So that's like a whole other thing that's happening, you know, that they are going to be expressing, whether they say a line sarcastically or straight or, you know, and you can, you can put notes if it's very important, but you're not supposed to put too many of those. And then of course, there's everything else happening in the play. And I'd said to you, like one of the elements of, of plays is spectacle. So there's all these other things going on around that inform what's happening as well. What do you mean by spectacle? Because some of our people might not know what sure. you mean. I mean, spectacle um, is are the things like like um, an unrealistic set in a way is a type of spectacle. And just the things that would happen in a play, um, uh, having it rain on stage, having really dramatic lighting, um, doing things. And it, like all the things that are, like what would you think of as theatrical? And even in a quiet play, um, so spectacle could be having a totally dark stage and suddenly somebody lights a candle, right? It's like this moment that you're paying attention to. So that's that's spectacle, which you're not getting on the page. And then, um, I mean, playwriting um, is, I think a lot of screenwriting and the beats of screenwriting is based quite a lot on playwriting, isn't it? I honestly cannot answer that question. I don't know. Like, I, I would say, yeah, both have, you know, there are standard structures for both yeah. And, yeah. Um, and more strict in some areas than other, like any kind of writing, the better you are, then the more, you know, the better you can be at breaking the rules. You start yeah. out by using the rules and then you break the rules. Um, but I definitely, to me, the most important rules in terms of structure are, are really within the scene. And so if we sort of shift to talking about scene is that every scene, there has to be a turn for a yeah. character. And if there isn't a turn, if something hasn't happened emotionally, doesn't have to be big, then that scene goes. Like you can't just have characters like talking about stuff. Like something has to be different at the end of the scene. And so that, you know, those are the parts of structure. So each scene does that. And then you build those scenes. And, you know, as, as some uh, instructor said to me, well, a full length play is just a lot of 10 minute plays all strung together. Um, Interesting. I mean, what's so important about playwriting, I mean, this is it, every, all our writing and our storytelling really started out for the most part as playwriting. <laughs> um, so we get so much of our structures and our ideas of, of what the story form is supposed to be from playwriting. That's why I think it's so helpful to learn it. So when we talk about by scene, um, so I always think um, that turn, and, and we talked about this in the 50 days as well. So you have your characters, everyone has intentions. They're going into a scene with intentions. Um, and and that's and, and I think unless 
you know your character's intentions, you're not gonna be able to get to that turn because the turn occurs um, when you, the characters are wrangling over their intentions. So again, are we gonna talk about boyfriend or are we not? And so oftentimes, oftentimes the turn will happen when that power dynamic switches um, between the two people. Um, and so you actually, so look for, if you're thinking about, okay, what is a turn? What are they talking about a turn? The power dynamic from the beginning of the scene to the end has changed, has switched. Um, are there other ways that you think about turning points or turns? Yeah, another way to think about it is if you think about the long arc, let's just talk about your protagonist and then you're getting into the end, that like, in, like if you, at the end of a scene, has that character gotten closer or further from the thing they want? And that will, it's not, you know, it would be boring if a character is just continually getting closer, right? Like you wouldn't want that. So that's sort of another way of looking at it. It's like, is the main character, what has happened at the end of the scene? Are they a little closer? Are they a little further? Are, are they completely adrift? What's happening? So that's something, a way to think about that tracking as well. How do you keep that from being episodic? Because you don't want someone to just get closer and then return exactly back to the way they were, because that can then create a kind of episodic structure. I mean, they're slowly, even they're going backwards, it's not quite as far back as they were at the beginning, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think when you think about writing, I think that when I'm writing first draft or even second draft, I'm not necessarily thinking about all these things. You know, right. you're sort of like around, you're writing scenes. And so you're sort of writing some scene and these things are happening and, and say like a full length play I have, there's, there's five or six characters. There's rarely two characters on stage. Often there's more. So there's multiple things happening. And it's when I go back and I'm thinking, is this scene working? You know, and that's like those, that's really when I'm examining this. It's less so when I'm writing it, the writing is more of like the vomiting it up and trying to figure out what is happening? What are they doing? Because they have to be doing something. And then I'm thinking, well, what is happening? You know, so. And so, yeah, it's a great analytical tool. And it kind of forces you, because I think first, sometimes we write, well, it depends what kind of writer you are. But I mean, a lot of us, we hate everything we write. And then, but sometimes we like stuff we write. And then we like it so much that we can't even see it. And we get excited by it. Like, oh, well, this part is good. Um, but it might not be as good as it could be. It might not create that tension or that turn or that movement that you're looking for. So I think absolutely in novel writing and short story writing, you are looking for the turns in those scenes and the scenes that are each advancing the storyline. So if we have a turn in the scene, how is that exactly advancing the storyline? Well, I think it's advancing the storyline because what I said is that the characters even either getting closer or further. And so if something's happening getting further, now they have to do something, right? right? So so if I'm a protagonist and something's happened that scene and now I'm not, I'm not getting as close, now I have to change what I'm doing. Like that's creating action for right. my character. You know, I I have this full-length play I wrote and it was it was sort of working, wasn't quite. And I added a new character that was like the perfect antagonist. And it was really interesting because when she showed up about a quarter of the way into the play, the play just exploded with energy because she ended up thwarting like everybody else's plans in a way like, and it's not even that dramatic. She just showed up to do something and everybody else had their own idea of how it should be done. And she's like, nope, I'm in charge now. This is how we're doing it. And everybody became really active 
in a way because they're like, oh, I don't want her doing it that way. And people who had been at odds with each other, other characters, now sort of became allies against this person temporarily. And then they would break apart. So um, that's what I think it did. Like when she showed up in a scene, so that's also talking about character and antagonist and all that, but um, everybody became very active when they saw she was getting in their way. And so it sounds like also she was acting as a Captain Happen. Yes, totally as a Captain Happen. Yeah, so Captain Happen, I think Charles Baxter came up or named the idea of the Captain Happen, but having a character that forces other characters to act or react. And oftentimes this character is, this is not the sort of character you want in your everyday life. This is the sort of character that's going to probably annoy the hell out of you. Um, they break all the rules. They say things that other people are not going to say. Um, they do things that other people are not going to do. You need a Captain Happen. So if you don't have a Captain Happen in your novel, and particularly also if you have multiple points of views, um, each point of view is probably going to need its own Captain Happen. The Captain Happen is usually not the protagonist because they're just a little too wacky. They're just too out there. But but keep keep an eye on that idea when you're reading novels or even watching television or plays or or, or films um, to to try to find that Captain Happen. Um, and then I think what's important is that you are you are looking at what happened in the previous scene and that you have to carry that through. You have to be responsible to that. It has consequence on the next scene in the next scene. And that is what um, allows you not to be able to go back to, to, to ground zero and that the, the um, play keeps going. Um, Cause I think, I think a lot of times people are too afraid to allow their characters to do things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And on stage, your characters have to do something, even if it's a conversation. And again, you know, I don't know, I haven't written a novel, but if you imagined that your novel is kind of like a play, like how is the audience going to feel in that scene? Like, is there too much going on? And one other thing that might be helpful from playwriting to think about as you're trying to break down your scene is that in playwriting, there's something called the French scene. It sounds very fancy, but all that means is it's a French scene anytime a character exits or enters the stage. So if you have a 20 minute long scene, it could be hard to track the arc, but you actually break down the scene every time a character comes and goes, because that's changing the dynamic. And so you have these like mini scenes, the French scene. So that could be helpful as a tool as well. That's interesting. So you talked about like each, each play, the scene in each play is its own play. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about breaking even those scenes down. Did you call them a, a French? They're called French, French scene. What is that? I don't know where that comes from, but I mean, it's a, like a classic thing. It's in all the playwriting books and yeah. Oh, and so, but what, and that is just, just making a mini play within the scene. Or it's just, yeah, if they just say it's a French scene is, is, are the sections every time somebody comes and goes. If you have two characters on stage for three pages, and then a third character shows up, those first three pages are a French scene. Now the third character shows up, you're in a new French scene, it's still the same scene. Right. And a fourth character shows up and that's a new French scene. Now two of those characters leave and you can see how the dynamic is gonna change because maybe the first two characters 
we're talking, we're arguing about something. The third character comes in, they shut up. They try to pretend what they were talking, you know, they were talking about something else, right? Third character comes in, gives a new piece of information. Now they're all reacting to that, right? So you have this little mini scene. Now this fourth character shows up and contradicts the third character, right? Or wants to change the subject. Now there's something happening. And then two people leave and two different people are left behind. And they're, you know, now you can feel how there's like, all this dynamic and that I'm just talking about a conversation, not like people shooting each other or whatever. (laughs) I love that. I have never thought of a scene in that way, but I think it's a perfect way to think of it because it is a single scene. It has a single setting and it probably has the main characters that have a single um, intention or action. That's what, that's what gives cohesion to it. But every time you introduce someone new or take away someone from the group, you're ratcheting up tension and you're, and you're changing it. I think that's an amazing trick. Um, Okay. We have a question. Um, uh, What if you're writing a subplot, a scene in which the protagonist doesn't appear, but others do, um, if dynamics between those characters change, but it doesn't directly affect the protagonist, is that scene okay? Oh, sure. Because, you know, every character has their own arc. And, you know, when when your secondary or tertiary characters, when things change in them, eventually they're going to act upon the protagonist, right? Or I was telling Michelle this great line that came from um, uh, this guy who writes movies for Pixar. And he talks about creating conflict, you know, I realize I'm jumping around a little, but, you know, conflict is you put obstacles or walls in front of your protagonist and they have to overcome them. And he says the best kind of conflict is one person's wall. One person's obstacle is another person's plan. And so your secondary and tertiary characters, like my captain happen, they have wants. And so if they're having a scene talking about what they want, they might be doing something or creating something that's going to get in the way of what the protagonist wants. And so those things are important. Yeah. I, I love thinking about that, that because again, it's, it's about those intentions um, colliding against each other and then creating obstacles. And that does, I think, create obstacles that are innate to um, what you already have going on because you have the character involved and you're not just again, like, I don't know, throwing in a UFO that's shooting at people or you're, you're, you know, like a Godzilla that's, that's marching over people that, that it's actually an an obstacle. That's a part of the play and part of the characters. That's super, super helpful. Um, Okay. What else do you have for us, Sari? One other thing I was going to talk about too, was there's this great book called backwards and forwards, which is, I don't know if it's, backwards on the screen by David Ball. It's an old book and it's about play analysis, but what it does is actually reverse engineer playwriting. And he, this book is like full of gold in terms of how you build plot through character. It's incredible. And one of the things he talks about in a play, and I don't know how much this is applicable to a novel, but it's so true is the audience should always unconsciously be thinking ahead of where you are in the story. If you're doing it right, if you're setting things up, the audience is constantly thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen if that other character comes back? What happens if that other character hears? When, when is she going to find this? Like that there's always things in motion that because it is a series of actions, even though those actions are conversation, that the audience is in some sense always aware of what is out there next in the story. And he, he breaks it down. Uh, I'm not going to do it and makes, I, it's, it's a, it's kind of an amazing book. I I almost never do this, but I actually took uh, notes 
um, besides yeah. just highlighting. And I'm also going to, before we get to the end of our half hour, because we're close, I am dropping something in the chat that I mentioned to Michelle, which is if you want to see brilliant scene writing and brilliant dialogue is The Play Doubt by John Patrick Shanley. But it was also a movie with Meryl Streep and Viola Davis. And that's a link to one scene. I highly recommend you read the play or watch the whole movie. And you, everything I talked about is done to a point of brilliance in this play. Mm-hmm. That it's mostly conversation. That every character has wants. The wants you're not aware of rise up in conversation. You're like, oh my God. And there's so much action in the conversation when people are literally just walking and talking. And and one I think I think is important because so many people read stories, so many people read novels, they think, oh, I know how to write a novel or I know how to create a story or I know how to, but there really are intricacies, tricks, some people call them tricks, devices, whatever to learn that can actually help you and your prose that you don't even realize what's happening on the page. And then when you, when you get, you know, something like with David Ball or some of these other, other teachers that they're, they're giving you something and, and then you see things and how the mechanics of story building actually work that you probably just didn't see before. So I think it's, I think studying something like playwriting or screenwriting can kind of wake you up to those things um, versus, um, you know, a style or form that you've just kind of gotten used to and maybe have your eyes closed to a little bit. Um, We were also talking about the importance of spitballing or the idea of spitballing. You know, in playwriting and screenwriting, it's not just you shut, you know, in a room, it actually becomes more collaborative. So so talk about that. I mean, again, why do you think that's so fun or important or, or is something that fiction writers could use as well? Well, the thing is this idea that every piece of writing is just fully formed from your head. I mean, that's great, but we get stuck in the point of view of a story, especially something we've been working on for a long time. And so to spitball, I, I have a group of friends I've done this with, where you sort of bring the problem, a specific problem of your story, and everybody brainstorms around it because I do think we can get stuck in our point of view. And so you're just bringing the minds of other artists, you know, into your work to see things differently. And so in play, so you'd have that at the writing stage. And then of course, in playwriting of actors and a director who are also, everybody's bringing, you know, everything to it. And it is the most exciting thing. I've only had a few instances of working with a director and actors on something. And I was describing to a friend, I said, I know it sounds weird, but like, it is the, greatest thing for a writer I'm watching two actors and a director spend five minutes talking about one line I wrote and I said it kind of feels like sex and they said to me (laughs) they said it's porn and I said that's exactly what it feels like you know it's like it is like the greatest thing for a writer that three people are going oh well with this verb I think it's more this and I think maybe we should play it like this and I'm just sitting there like the way that people are paying attention Right. Every word matters because the actors and directors assume that every word matters. And so you have to make sure that every word matters. Yeah. Imagine. I think that would be terrifying, but it could be like point. Imagine if they're if they're taking it seriously, a director and several actors talking about every line and word choice. that you lay down because I mean I do think that novelists don't oftentimes that's basically a built-in audience and, and novelists oftentimes don't 
Uh, think of that audience. It can freeze you entirely and stop you in your tracks to think too much about audience, but it also can be helpful, particularly in the editing stage or the analysis stage. Um, and then we have someone in the chat that said, um, when I wanted to learn how to write my when I wanted to learn how to write, my good friend, a published novelist, advised me to read plays. And I would actually, I would 100%, I mean, plays are the root of all of our storytelling. Um, so I think they can teach you a lot. Sari, thanks so much. We're going to have to, we're going to have Thank to get you. going. Everyone, you can find our full March Writing Challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Subscribe for updates. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so that we can reach other listeners. We will try to have Andrea Meyer on another time, maybe as a pre-recorded session. So we're going to get her genius as well. So don't worry about that. But it's kind of nice that we were able to just sit and talk about playwriting for the full half hour. So that was fun. So, Siri, I got you up early to do this. Are you going to be able to get any writing done today? I think because I'm up earlier than usual, I'm going to actually get a cup of tea in right now. And I also have a co-writing session scheduled with a friend tomorrow. So that's always helpful to stay on the track. Absolutely. Co-writing sections are sessions are very, very important. Okay. Thank you much, everyone. It is time to write.